Thanks for checking out this video. My name's Kiara, and I hope you enjoy this message from Redemption Church. Well, good morning. If you're here, that means you're not running the race for the cure where the rest of the city is right now. And uh, we're glad that you decided to, to join us this morning. And um, we're wrapping up a series this morning called The Church. And what we've been doing over the last three weeks is not just talking about our church and what we are and who we are and what we do and why we think we're cool or anything like that. What we've been doing over the last three weeks is establishing uh, a foundation for what the scripture says the church is. And so this morning uh, is a, uh, the end of this series, and it's really a summary of this series, and then also kind of the final uh, chapter, the exclamation point, or whatever metaphor you want to use, um, that kind of wraps everything up as we prepare to move into the future as a church. And so if you weren't here for the last three weeks, I'm going to give you a brief summary of what we talked about. If you were here for the last three weeks, I'm going to give you a brief summary of what we talked about. So we're all on the same page. I said at the beginning of this series that uh, this might be the most important series we've ever done as a church. Now, I realize I say that a lot, but um, I mean it every time I say it. And through this series, we wanted to clarify again and um, really believe again in unity what the church is and then how we all fit into that. And so we started three weeks ago laying the foundation and I would say three weeks ago is really uh, the most important, the most important thing that we would rally or unify around. And the question we were asking is simply, well, what is the church? What is the church? Not based upon what we think it is or what culture says it is or um, what maybe uh, America in 2019 says it is or what your perception, maybe if you're not a religious person on what church is, but what does the scripture say the church is? And there's no better person to answer that question than Jesus. And so in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus lays out a thesis statement for the church. And he gives us a, a pretty clear picture of what the church is. And we've um, kind of summarized it in five statements. Uh, this is like a summary of our church and what we believe about the church that you could grab on the way out. And we believe this, that the church is built on Jesus, that it's all about Jesus, and then whenever the church becomes anything else or about anything else, about a particular pastor or about a denomination or about a small group of people or about someone's fame or about a brand or anything else, then it ceases to be the church. The church is about Jesus. The church has Jesus as its leader, as its head. The church is powerful, according to Matthew chapter 16. We then hopped over to Acts, and we see that the church is to operate as a family, and not a business, not a club, not just a building, but a family. And we hopped over to Ephesians chapter 4, and we see this, that in the true church, people are to continue to grow into full maturity, so that in the true church, we're constantly being challenged, refined, and growing up into Christ, because what's to happen is all of us are to be growing into maturity in Christ so that we collectively reflect Jesus to the world. That's what the church fundamentally is. And we started there because we can't move forward together as a body unless we agree upon that first. And I would say that's the most important thing that we have to agree on. 
Now, if you agree with me, if you agree with me in those statements, then uh, we can kind of journey up. We're going to have a pyramid on the screen. We can kind of journey up the pyramid together. Uh, and what we're doing is that was the first or the bottom or the foundation. And then as we kind of climb up, it's not that the things are not important, but they're less important than the thing below it. And so what is most important for us as a church is that we fundamentally agree on what the church is. Now, if you're in agreement with me, then you're also saying this, that you believe that the church is and should always be about Jesus. You believe that the church should operate as a family. That it's not a, just a building. We don't pick our church based on the facilities. It's not just a club. We don't pick our church based on networking opportunities or social dynamics. Uh, that the, uh, the church isn't a business, right? It's not just about, well, what service is being offered to me? That you believe the church is a family. Right? If you agree with me at this level, then that's what you're saying. You're also saying that I want to keep growing spiritually. That I haven't just shown up and I'm not just checking this off the box. Like, I want to keep going. I want the gospel to keep challenging me. I want to get to the place that Paul got to in Acts chapter 20, verse 24. But I count my life as nothing. But that I would accomplish my mission of proclaiming the gospel that all of us individually are on that path. So if you agree with me on what the church is, then you also agree with those things. So that was week one. Then week two, we climbed up the pyramid a little bit more, and we asked this question. Now that we know what the church is, well, why does the church exist? Like, uh, what, what's the purpose, maybe? What, what's it trying to accomplish? And in this particular week, I took a ton of scripture I mean, really, because what I wanted to show is that the, the mission of the church, that's another way to say it, uh, is not just some small one-line thing. Like, it's all throughout the scriptures. And we summarized it in a statement to help us rally around it. We summarized it like this, that we, we exist to help all people experience redemption and live in freedom. We exist to help all people. There is no market segmentation in the church. Because the gospel is for everybody. We exist to help all people experience redemption. We don't just exist so that people's lives will get better or they'll have something to do on Sunday morning or they might get tied into a community. Those are all good things. All good things. But we exist to help people experience redemption, the life-changing message of Jesus. The fact that they were dead in sin, destined to hell and God's wrath, and by the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross, now they can be saved. Anything short of that is not the purpose of the church. So uh, we exist to help all people experience redemption, which means we got to proclaim the gospel each and every week. I just snuck it in there. We exist to help all people experience redemption and to live in freedom. Because many of us have seen this. We, we've seen people who have experienced redemption, but they're not living in freedom. They're experiencing redemption, but they're like the church in Galatia that is now putting slavery back on themselves. I've said this frequently. The most miserable people in the world are people who um, have like, experienced redemption, but they still live in slavery. And so we, experience, we exist to help people experience redemption and live in freedom. Freedom from the law, freedom from religion, uh, freedom from uh, thinking that we have to change ourselves, uh, freedom from um, unnecessary religious restrictions being placed on, uh, on us, free from sin, because the power of Jesus now lives inside of us, free from fear, 
because we have a God who takes care of us. We're free. So we exist to help all people experience redemption and live in freedom. And so if you agree with me that that's the second level on why the church exists, then you're also saying, yes, yes, I agree. And so I know now that as a church, we exist for all people. And so if somebody walks in that I normally wouldn't like or that makes me feel uncomfortable or that is slightly different or doesn't fit into my normal social dynamic, I'm okay with it because we exist for all people. If you agree with me at this level, then you're also agreeing with what Paul said, who said, I have become, in other words, I am willing to change. I have become all things to all people that by all methods I might reach some. You're agreeing with that? If you're agreeing with me, then you're also agreeing that the gospel must be proclaimed again each and every week because we need people to experience redemption, not just cool church. Right? Cool church can motivate you for a week, but only the gospel actually changes a life. So we exist to help all people experience redemption. You're agreeing with that and living in freedom, which means you want people to, to know the joy of living the Christ-centered life. So you're agreeing with me there. And so now we're, we're continuing to kind of climb up the pyramid here. And so what's most important is, is agreeing on what the church is. What's secondarily most important is why the church exists, the mission of the church. And then last week, we covered kind of the next level of the pyramid, and it was answering this question, well, how does the church operate? And so we looked at a very clear story in Acts chapter 6. And in Acts chapter 6, there's this great momentum in the church, and it's growing like crazy, and people are coming to Jesus, and they're becoming disciples, like fully committed to Christ, laying down their life for the sake of the gospel. And then there's some conflict that emerges. And so we looked at last week, well, how does the church operate? And we gave three terms to help us remember the teaching of Acts chapter 6. Uh, term one was, how does the church operate? Theological richness. And I said another way, always going back to Jesus. Everything centered around the gospel. Uh, theological richness is uh, covering everything we do in prayer. It's being led and empowered by the Holy Spirit, not ourselves. It's um, always going back to the scriptures and believing that they're as relevant today as they've ever been. How does the church operate? By always um, uh, centering around proper, good doctrine, theology, scripture. So what we're not saying is that uh, a Sunday morning talk, um, a Sunday morning sermon, the point of it is not that I would get up here and give you good life advice. You can get that anywhere. Oprah can give you that. Dave Ramsey can give you that. My job is to teach you Jesus. Right? And so you're agreeing with that? Another term that we used last week was godly excellence, because if ministry is important, then how we do ministry is important. And so uh, we're going to give uh, God glory and honor by doing everything we do with, with excellence to the best of our ability. And so we're going to try to have good-looking graphics, because in 2019, that helps. And we're going to uh, learn our sermons and learn our music and um, um, read our material if we're in kids' ministry before we show up so that we can serve these kids the best that we possibly can. And we're going to be friendly when we're uh, walking in and, and waving to people and um, having umbrellas when it's raining. Because how we do ministry matters. And so we said we're, uh, we're going to do the best that we can because this is not just church. It is church. And it matters. And then the last one was meaningful relationships. And that if church is a family, we have to do all of this ministry within the context of relationship. And we have to know each other, like each other, befriend each other. 
care about each other, and not fall into the trap of making the ministry that we do more important than the people that we do it with. So we summarize all of that in answering the question, how does the church operate? So if you agree with me, then we can keep climbing up the pyramid. And by the way, if you agree with me, then you're saying each and every week when you're preaching, come at me. Like, come at me. Now, I want to grow. I want to change. If you agree with me, then you're saying, when I serve, I'm going to give it the best that I can. I'm going to show up on time. I'm going to check my planning center. I'm going to do whatever it takes. If you agree with me, then you're saying, I'm going to care about the people that I serve with. I'm going to love them like family. So now if we agree there, then now you're caught up into what the last three weeks have all been about. And so now we get to the point where we ask this question. So what does the church actually do? Like, what's your ministry like? Now, here's what's interesting. Don't we typically start with this question? Like, we, we typically start with the question, so what's that, what's that church like? Is, is it uh, the preaching? Is it exegetical or is it topical? And what's the music like? Are there drums? Right. What, what, what's the kids' ministry like? Like, what version of the Bible do they use? Right. We typically start here when we're talking about church or what church you're going to or what church you're looking for. And, and what we do is we say, so I'm looking for a church that in the top part of the pyramid here um, is exactly what I'm looking for. Now, imagine for a moment, had I picked my spouse, Lindsay, she was up here leading worship like that. Imagine had I said, if somebody said, hey, um, why are you marrying Lindsay? And I said, well, because she has dark hair and because she works at a salon. That's why I'm marrying her. Well, three years later, guess what? Her hair is blonde and she doesn't work at a salon. If that's why I had married her, we'd have some big problems three years later. But that's not why I married her. I married her because of, fundamentally, who I believe her and have seen her to be. Because of how she operates as a human being. Because I fundamentally trust her and her heart. And those things, those things don't change. They haven't changed in three years. I just believe them even more now than I ever did before. And so when she changes her hair or she changes jobs, okay, Are you following me? It's never how we pick our spouse, but it's often how we pick our church. And so then what happens is in the top of the pyramid, something gets tweaked a little bit. Something gets tweaked. Oh, they changed the name. They used to do four songs. <laughs> they don't have coffee. Buy your own coffee. And we look and say, something tweaks at the very top of the pyramid. Something tweaks. And you go, I'm out. <laughs> like, imagine had Lindsay shown up with her blonde hair, and I'm like, I'm out. <laughs> you promised me dark hair. <laughs> it's ridiculous. And it's equally ridiculous when we shift church from back and forth on the same things. 
So this morning, I want to answer the question, what does the church do? What does our church do? But more importantly, what I want is to look at you all and say, we have to be committed to each other at the bottom three levels because those things will never change. And then it allows us the freedom at the top level, at the top of the pyramid, to make changes based upon the leading of the Holy Spirit and what we think will be most effective for winning people to Jesus. See, the top of the pyramid is the place in Scripture or the part of Scripture that has the least amount of like clear, exact, you have to do it this way. In the scriptures, how we actually like perform, I know that's a horrible word to use, but execute church is the one part of scripture that it gives us the most amount of freedom, which I think was brilliant on God's part because he could foresee America in 2019. And the, the prophets, uh, the apostles, they never could have, right? They couldn't have imagined a day when, when kids' pastors got paid money. Like, the, Paul barely got paid. They couldn't have seen this. And so the scripture gives us just like these boundaries, but then this freedom to do what we think is best to reach people with the gospel. Uh, but if we, if we unify around the bottom three levels of the pyramid, then that gives us a strength in which to move forward. So let's look at the scripture, the, the one text, not the only text, but the, the primary text that tells us, by the way, if you're new here, this is the longest I have ever gone without opening up the Bible and teaching directly from it, just so you know. I had to summarize everything. Feel like a pagan. Okay. First Corinthians chapter 12. This text does instruct us best, chapter 12 and chapter 14, on, hey, what can the church actually like, look like? like? What does it actually do? And I just want to walk you through it this morning. And then at the end, I, I want to ask you, I don't care if it's your first time or, you know, 150th time, however many Sundays we've had. At the end, I just, I just want to ask you if you're in. Like, like you guys want to do this together. So let's look. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to start in verses 12 through 14. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. And then I want to hop over to chapter 14, verses 23 through 25. If therefore... The whole church comes together and all speak in tongues and outsiders or unbelievers enter. Will they not say that you are out of your minds? But if all prophesy and an unbeliever or outsider enters, he is convicted by all. He is called to account by all. The secrets of his heart are disclosed. And so falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. And so what we're seeing here uh, in the first verse that I read in 12, and then here in, in um, chapter 14, is the first element of church and how it operates. And what Paul says, if everyone comes together, 
Or in Hebrews chapter 12, it says, don't neglect the gathering of the saints. And so for us in 2019, what that looks like is a weekend service Sunday morning in a movie theater. And so we come together, and the scriptures are relatively free in saying what we can do on Sunday morning. And what you're going to see behind me is four different um, uh, squares, not squares, what's the word I'm looking for here? Like pie chart, yeah, it's a pie chart, yeah, there you go. Let's call them a piece of pizza. You're going to see like four pieces of uh, pizza, four different parts of a pie chart on the screen, because what I want to show is that church is not just one of these four, right? Like if you did book it when you were growing up, okay, that's like a little reading program where pizza, I gave you a free pizza, and it was just a personal pan pizza, and then you got to go to lunch and get your little free personal pan pizza, and if you would have opened it up and there would have only been one piece of the four piece of, you'd be angry, You're like, I'm hungry, and there's only one piece of a personal pan pizza. In the same way, when we only experience one of these four things in church, we're missing out. I'm not going to say you're sinning. I'm just saying you're missing out on the fullness of what the church is. So the first one is is, is a weekend service, a gathering. So let me tell you what to expect when you show up in a gathering. Let me get you in the mindset of what we hope when we're doing this each and every Sunday. That in the gathering, uh, the scripture tells us that we're to operate and to feel as one. Which means that if there's tension in the body, we need to deal with it biblically so that we can be united. Uh, When there's a weekend gathering, as we look at the other three levels of the, um, the pyramid, we should do it with excellence, we should do it with theological richness, and it has to be all about Jesus. And so we're going to sing songs to Jesus, and we're going to pray to Jesus, and we're going to teach about Jesus and his things, because it's all about him. So that's what's going to happen on Sunday morning. We're going to take communion. Over the last few weeks, um, what that meant is basically every other Sunday, we've been taking communion together to remind us of the gospel and what Jesus did for us. Now, as we get to that chapter in 14, those few verses in 14, it teaches us something else about the gathering. And this one challenges us. You know what it teaches us about the gathering? That the moment somebody new walks into the gathering, the moment an unbeliever, someone you might suspect is an unbeliever or just because they're new to the church, walks in, that the moment that that person walks in, guess what? It no longer becomes about you. It becomes about them. Paul says the moment that person walks in, he goes, imagine if somebody walks into your gathering. He says, you don't want them walking out thinking you're crazy. Now, I've been in some church gatherings where if somebody walked in, they would have thought we were crazy. Some of y'all have been in those. And listen, I love those. Like, I need those. There are certain environments where it's like, listen, let's just lock the doors and not let any non-Christian in for like a moment so we can all have some family party time. Sunday morning is really not that. Paul says the moment an unbeliever walks in, it becomes about them, not you. And so what he's actually saying is, we're going to change the way we operate because I want that person to know God is present, but I don't want them to think that we're out of our minds. Paul's words. So what that means for us is that we make some adjustments. We operate in ways that we think, okay, uh, it's not that we're saying we don't want the Holy Spirit here because, listen, if if the Holy Spirit shows up and wants to do something, guess what he's going to do? Whatever he he wants. That's what he's going to do. 
because he's the Holy Spirit and he's really powerful. We don't, now, can we stop the Holy Spirit from moving? Sure, right? We can squash the Holy Spirit. The scripture says that we have to be careful about that. And so what we are always doing is asking the balance between Holy Spirit, do what you want and allow us to live up to what Paul is instructing us here. That's the balance we live. And so that's Sunday morning, right? That's the first part of it. Let's keep going. Second part starts in verse 14. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. For some of this, Paul is just kind of being sarcastic. Like he's trying to show the, the silliness of one part of the body yelling at another part of the body. And he's showing the importance of all of it coming together. There are two great metaphors used in the scripture about the church. One of them is the body. The other one is a family. We typically tend to use the one that is a family because it kind of makes sense for us. And what this part of the text is saying is that what the church does is be a family together. Like, what, what, what does the church do? Well, it's, it's a family doing life together. And so we have Sunday morning, yes, but uh, we've all experienced this. It's hard to really get to know somebody on a Sunday morning. And so you could come in and come out and never know anyone else. And so we are to operate as a family. And so around here for us, that means we have um, events where we get to hang out uh, and get to know each other better. Um, part of being a family is praying together. So we pray after service if you need someone to pray with you. We pray every other Wednesday night um, together so that we can pray for each other and pray for the advancement of the gospel and pray for our church. So we do that every other Wednesday. Part of being a family is giving, right? Like being generous with the money God has given us and giving it back to the church, right? And so uh, Lindsay and I, we participate in this, right? 10% of everything we make, whether it's here or outside of here, we give back to this church because we want you to know that when you're in a time of need, we love you and we have set up our lives so that your need will be taken care of. And part of being a church family then is participating in these things and saying, uh, I believe it's a family and so I'm going to participate in this way. And then part of being a family gets into this next section right here. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet. I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there, be may, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Two important things for this text. The first is that there's a knowledge of each other that when one celebrates, we celebrate. There's a knowledge of each other that when one suffers, we suffer. Now, here's the deal. Once a church gets to a certain size, it's hard for all of us to do this together. And so uh, another part of what the church does is group life. Now, let me tell you, life groups are not like a scriptural mandate. They're a strategy to help us get to know each other at a closer level. 
And so we do groups around here, whether it's women's groups once a month or, or life groups around here, so that we might know these things, so that we might be able to rejoice together, so that we might be able to suffer together, so that we don't feel like we're walking through life alone. My biggest failure as a pastor is if somebody consistently comes to this church and feels like they're walking through life alone. The church is a family. And so we create groups and we create what we do to get people connected. Now, of course, we can't force anyone to do these things. But this is then when church is becoming church. The other thing that's in here is that no member is more important than the other. So I get to preach on Sunday. That doesn't make me any more important than anyone else here. So we have elders. Their cute faces are on the back of this. Doesn't make them any more important than anybody else. We're all, we're all just a part of the body. Do we have different roles? Yeah. But doesn't make one more important than the other. Last part. Last line. Verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ and individual members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? Calm down, Paul. But earnestly desire the higher gifts. Like, will you answer your questions? <laughs> the answer was no, by the way. To all of them. Okay. Then he says, and I will show you a still more excellent way. Well, the last thing he's getting at is, we call them volunteer teams or serving, but, but really what he's getting at is in the church family, when uh, somebody is good at something and then there's a need in the church, in the church family, that person who's good at the thing where there's a need goes, oh, I can do that. And that's what it is. And they just raise their hand and go, oh, I can do that. Uh, we have a single mom whose car needs fixed. Oh, I can do that. Uh, we need somebody who can smile at the front door. Oh, I can do that. Some of you can't do that. Don't go to the front door. Stay in the back, okay? <laughs> somebody needs a meal. <laughs> Some of you should not do this either, right? <laughs> oh, I can do that. And all of this becomes, it's just everybody saying, oh, wait, I can do that. And somebody else says, I can do that. And somebody else says, I can do that. And then when everyone starts saying, I can do that, I can do that, I can do that, then the church begins to flourish. And when the church dies is when all the people who, who could say, I can do that, just sit and don't do that. Oh, but the church comes alive when everyone says, yeah, I can, I can do that. So here we are. We're at the end of our four-week series on the church. And someone said to me, you get more passionate when you talk about the church than any of your other topics. Why? Because I've experienced the good and I think the worst that church can be. And when it is good, there is nothing like it. There's nothing like it.
There's nothing like your brother or your sister in Christ showing you grace when you need it most. There's nothing like somebody stepping in and telling you to stand back up when you feel like lying down. There's nothing like thinking you're alone and then seeing your church family rally around. Jesus has a plan to unite all things back to himself. And the church is that plan. Which means you and I are that plan. This next week, we're going to spend a bunch of money on advertising. Maybe you got the mailer, saw the billboards, you'll see the Facebook video. We're doing all that stuff because it's a strategy. You know what the best, always the best growth mechanism of any church is? It's you guys. It's you guys. Just saying, listen, I'm a part of something. And it's not perfect. Not even close. But we're trying to be the church that Jesus came to plant. And I think you should come check it out. You don't have to use those words. You come up with your own. It's in a movie theater. I'll buy you coffee. That works too. But we know. We know what we're about. Thanks for watching this video. If you want to learn more about our church, go ahead and click the link in the description or head on over to experienceredemption.com. Have a great week, guys.